There we go. Now it's going. Good, good. Um, it was a number of years ago that uh, that song reminds me of, of when my dad and uh, um, <clears throat> brother uh, Van Horn, uh, Van, Van Horn was, it? yeah, okay, I thought that was right. Yeah, George was his first name. We used to sing that song, and that was a long time ago, and uh, that just reminded me of that. It's funny how those memories will come kind of cascading in, but uh, that was a song that we sang quite often. And uh, that's a great song, 10,000 years, amen? Well, stand up if you would, please. Let's read the Word of God together and give you a chance to stretch your legs before we get started. Uh, we're, almost, we're almost at quarter till eight already, and like I say, the service doesn't last till what, quarter till nine, so we're, we're going to have to rush through this, all right? <clears throat> okay, so anyway, Acts chapter nine, beginning in verse one. Acts chapter nine, beginning in verse one, here we go, in just a moment. We'll get started. I guess I'm a little more anxious than you are. I didn't tell you soon enough, did I? All right, Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to uh, the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a, a, a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Well, Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts through the word of God tonight. Thank you, Father, for our series. Thank you for the message. Lord, may each and everything that's said and done truly bring glory and honor to you. You're worthy of our praise. We desperately need you tonight. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. We're dealing with secrets of successful living, and tonight we want to begin talking about finding God's plan for our lives. Finding God's plan for our lives. Now, we're going to base this particular lesson on the question asked by Saul of Tarsus at the very moment of his new birth. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's a great question, isn't it? What wilt thou have me to do? Now, did Saul's conversion just happen, do you think? Do you think he was just, I mean, one day just kind of out of the blue happened? I don't think so. I mean, was it by chance that he was suddenly converted on the Damascus Road? Or do you think possibly there was a divine plan and purpose in place? Oh, I believe God intended to win him. I believe God wanted to win him. And I believe that God had made a point to meet him on that road. I don't think it just happened. I don't think it just happened to be at that time, that hour, and it was Saul of Tarsus. No, God had him planned and God had prepared and God had readied to meet Saul on that road. Acts chapter 9, 15 makes it pretty clear that, well... This was according to God's plan. Look, if you would, in verse 15 of that same chapter. 
This is God's plan in place. Notice it says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. Talking to Ananias, and he's saying to him, Go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Well, God had a plan for his life. God had a purpose for his salvation. And you know what? God has a plan for your life, and God has a purpose for your salvation. He didn't just save you so that you could just go to heaven. He saved you because you play a part in the kingdom. We all play a part. And we all have a part. And you say, well, I'm just not convinced God has a plan for my life. Well, you'd be wrong. He does have a plan for your life. He absolutely has a plan for your life. So if he does have a plan for your life, how can you know it? How can you find it? Well, we're going to spend a little time talking about that. Because, see, the Lord does have a definite plan, and He has a purpose for the life of every one of His children. And if you name the name of Christ and you're a child of God tonight, I want you to know God has a purpose and a plan for your life. So, what are some reasons for believing this? Why do we believe that there's a purpose and a plan for our life? Well, first of all, it's reasonable to expect it. It's reasonable to expect it. You say, what do you mean? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Some of you might be able to even quote that verse. It says, let all things be done, what? Decently and in order. We serve a God of order tonight. I mean, he does things in a, a very orderly fashion. He has methods to what, his madness, so to speak. I mean, everything that he does has purpose. Everything he does have me, has meaning. He's a God of order, and as a result of being a God of order, it only makes sense and is very reasonable that he'd have a purpose and a plan for your life also. He wants to bring things into order in your life. And, you know, he has the, the universe, a plan for the universe. Uh, he has a plan for this uh, 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 solar system. He has a plan for this earth. And may I say, he has a plan for your life too. And my life. That's how God is. He's orderly. Makes perfect sense. It's reasonable to expect it. Because, see, God's all about plans. He's all about patterns. And may I say that when we get off track, when life seems to be hectic and crazy and chaotic and overwhelming, may I say the reason for that is that we have failed to find his plan. Because his plan is always orderly. It brings peace and simplicity to chaos. And that's why our, our, our theme this year, you know, do the simple well. Why? Because we want people to have a good sense of being, wellness of mind. Because God always brings order to chaos. If we only follow his plan and purpose. It's reasonable to expect that. He has a plan for your life. It's reasonable to expect that. Number two, it's according to experience. When we think about just the past and we look at God overall and how he's dealt with his people through the, the centuries, well, it's pretty clear that he has a plan for people. I want you to think of Abraham. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, would you? Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. It's all the way at the end of the Bible. Hebrews. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you're in Matthew, you've not gone far enough. I know you know where Hebrews is. I'm messing with you. 
Hebrews. It's that little Jude one that gets to you every once in a while, that one pager. Or that Habakkuk or something. You know how that goes. And then you start having to race through all those little books and you're like, okay, and then you go, man, is that the right order? Yeah, it's the right order probably, but boy, under pressure, it's hard to remember, isn't it? All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I don't know about you, but it sure seems that God had a plan for Abraham's life. It seems to me that right at the, on the onset, right out of the gate... God knew exactly that Abraham was going to be the one that he used to do something great, to ultimately bring about the Hebrew race. May I say that God has a plan for your life just like he did Abraham's. Not only that, look at Hebrews 11 again, verse 24 through 27. Again, we we look at experience. We go back and we look at how God dealt with others in the Word of God and even maybe in the lives of others that you and I have known through the years. Hebrews 11, 24, by faith Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Man, he had gotten in touch with God in a sense. And let me tell you something, when he met with God, God said, I got a plan for you. I got a job for you. And when we start talking about a plan, we're really talking about the work that God has for us. We understand that he has the will, yeah, will for us, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the truth is, when we start thinking about the plan of God for our life, we're talking about a, a journey, a, a road we're going to travel. We're talking about a, a ministry and, and a life that we're going to live that's going to ultimately produce and do something great for God. And may I say that the size or the, 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 the magnitude of your visibility has nothing to do with the success of your life. Someone says, well, I, I'll never be a D.L. Moody. You don't have to be D.L. Moody. You just have to be you, and you have to fulfill God's plan for your life. Amen. We see Abraham. We see Moses. No, David. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 7 says, Now therefore, thus saith Uh, Shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. Man, God knew all along. Now David may not have been privy to this. He may not have had any clue that one day he would be the ruler of Israel. But God knew. God had a plan for his life. And God has a plan for your life. And God has a plan for my life. Boy, I'm so grateful that God, in spite of me, has a plan for me. And boy, he knows what I can do with his help. Now, he also knows that I can do nothing without his help. But if I'll get on board with God and his plan, God can use me to do great things. And God can use you to do great things. You say, well, great, define it. I'm telling you, it's not magnitude. It's not visibility. We're talking about making an impact in the world we live in. May I say, right where you work, right where you live, you can make an impact. If we'll just follow and get plugged into the plan of God. 
I think of Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 8. He says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? <laughs> and he said, here am I, send me. You say, well, that, that wasn't God's plan. Oh, you don't think? I got to believe that God allowed him to see something that most people never get to see. At one point, he's over there saying, man, I'm telling you what, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm among a people of unclean lips. And then God says, hey, who's going to do the work? Who's going to get the job done? And I do believe that Isaiah speaks up, as the Bible says, and he says, send me. You know what? I believe God's crying out to each and every one of us many times. And he's saying, listen, I need you to do something for me. I need you to get on board. I want you to get plugged into my plan. And he's just waiting for us to say like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. What about Jeremiah? Brother Moon brought this up and he addressed this issue uh, a number of uh, weeks ago. But look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. We're talking about some experiences. We note from experience, as we look at characters in the Word of God, as we look at those who have lived long before us, we see that God, in His providence, in His insight and understanding, in His foreknowledge, says, man, i got a plan and a purpose for you. I wonder today... What could God want to do with you that you're not yet doing? Not because maybe you're rebellious, not because you're disobedient, not because you're trying to wander far away from God. No. I'm saying, what's God preparing you for, though? What could God be readying you for down the road? Remember, he has a plan for you, and that plan is not necessarily unfolded completely the moment you get saved. He begins to unfold it piece by piece, page by page, Experience from experience to experience. I think of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Do you think that he only knew Jeremiah before he formed thee? I don't. I don't. I think he knew you before he ever formed you. I believe he knew me before he ever formed me. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Now listen, I'm just going to say this. This has nothing to do with the message. But I do think it's important to understand. Do you know there's a lot of legislation that they're trying to pass legislation now to, to try to encourage people to say, as soon as you hear a heartbeat, it's a living soul. It's a life. You can't take it. Don't abort it. Can I tell you, it's still murder at that point. I'm sorry, but you know what? The devil's really tricky here. I mean to tell you, he has taken people in our world today that have gone from zero to 100 miles an hour overnight, and now we're going to abort babies that are laying on a table after being born, and we're going to kill them, literally murder them. And then a genius steps up to the plate and says, I think we need to go backwards. I think we need to get, uh, I mean, a little bit of dignity of a, and a little bit of, uh, of sanctity of life. And as soon as the heartbeat, as soon as you can hear a heartbeat, then that's a life. Can I tell you that the biblical definition of life is conception? Amen. This idea that all of a sudden, because a baby's three weeks old, all of a sudden it's a baby. Well, because now it has form and it has shape and its heart is starting to beat. And, really? Since when did we change? When did the Bible change? I mean, since when did God say to, I, to, to Jeremiah, uh, once you, your heart started beating, I knew you. 
When did he do that? He knew him before. He ordained him a prophet unto the nations. Even in the womb he sanctified him. I don't know. You say, I don't agree with that. You don't have to agree with it. Deal with God. I'm telling you, the compromise that we are facing today in the church is outrageous. Because there are going to be churches across this country that are going to jump on board with that, that would have never gotten on board with that before they heard about babies being laid on a table and a doctor and a mother deciding whether it lives or dies. But we've gone so far this way that we feel like we're doing a good job just holding our ground here. I'm telling you, no, we've got to get back to the biblical definition and we've got to hold the ground where God holds ground. And I'm going to say this. If you, unfortunately, made a bad decision to do that to a child, you need to seek out some help because it will hit you in about 20 years. You better deal with it. And listen, you may not even think about ever doing anything like that again and you just hate yourself for it. My friend, listen, God can forgive you. You can live a productive life. God can use you in a mighty way. You can work in that nursery and love on children like nobody loves children. You can raise children like nobody raised children. I'm telling you that God can use you in a mighty way. Don't let the devil deceive you. Just get some help before it hits you and really devastates you and you don't know how to deal with it because it will hit you. I've dealt with too many times, too many people. You say, why am I feeling so depressed all the time? Maybe because that's eating at you and you don't even know it. I'm telling you, just think it through, get some help. But, I'm, but I don't say what I say today to hurt anybody. I just don't want to see the next generation fall for Satan's lies. He goes, then said I, a Lord God, verse 6, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what, God knew Jeremiah, and God knew you, and God has a purpose and a plan. God could see the end in the beginning. And listen, don't allow the devil to lie to you and tell you that you have nothing to offer God. Listen, if you have God in you, you got everything that you can offer. Hey, there's none of us that has anything to give to God without him giving it to us. Man, get on board with God. Find out what God's plan is. Understand he has a plan for you and then begin to search for that. Some of you might be able to write a book. Some of you might be able to draw pictures. Some of you might be able to to, to help older people and you just connect with folks at that level and that age group. Some of you might work great with young people and kids. And by the way, I'm just going to say this. Just because you think you work great with young people and kids doesn't mean you do. I just want to throw that out. You ought to let some other people tell you you do that. I'm sorry. I just, I've known people who thought they were great with them and the kids are like, that guy's a... Uh, you know, so I, I just, you know what I mean? You just got to... I, I just thought I'd throw that out there. I, I probably shouldn't have. But I can't take it back now. It's too late, right? But you know, you may have abilities and talents and skills that God has given you. You don't even know you have yet. Don't stop seeking what God's plan for your life. 
Uh, you, you just, in the, the smile that you share, just in the way you reach out to people, just a, an outstretched hand, just a, a hug to somebody that's going through a difficult time. I'm telling you, you can make an impact. You need to figure out what God's plan is because God has a plan for you. And then I think of Paul. We just talked about him, right? Man, we know God had a plan for Paul's life, don't we? But you know what? Paul was no different than you and I. Cody, come on up here real quick. Cody's writing all those notes down. See, he, he, he's kind of burdened down with a notepad. He's going crazy writing because he knows everything I'm saying is so valuable and important. Way to go, Cody. Good man. Watch this. Hold your arm out. I'm not frisking him. Let me see something. Hmm. I'd hit him in the stomach, but I don't want to cause him to lose his wind. I, it's solid rock. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is you can put your hands down. I'm, I'm looking at this guy. You want to know something? He and I are a lot more alike than we realize. Now, he may not think like I think yet. He might be a lot younger than me, even well, not better looking, but anyway, he might be a lot of things, okay? Maybe a little different, but in reality, we are very much alike. He, I mean, he has flesh on his bones. He has bones under the flesh. He's, he's got sinew. He's got strength. He's got all those things. I mean, we're very similar. He's got, he's got ears even right now. He's got a nose. He's got eyes. I mean, we all have so many characteristics and qualities, he and I right now, that are the same. Can I tell you something? That God doesn't say to Cody, I got a plan for you, and then look at me and go, I don't have one for you. The Apostle Paul is no different than Cody. The Apostle Paul is no different than me. He was just flesh. He was just a man. You say, oh, yeah, but look how God used him. Think about how God could use you then. He could use all of us if we'll just yield ourselves to his plan, his purpose. I don't know what God has in store for Brother Cody, but I know if Brother Cody will allow God to have his will and plan in his life, let me tell you something. He's got big things on, 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 on the horizon. Because God does everything in a big way. And it may not just be big in the sense that his name will be in lights. It may not be big that it, because maybe he'll have a church of 10,000. I don't know. I'm just saying it may not end up being that, but it will be big in eternity. Because that's how God operates. Thanks, Cody. So we know... Three strong reasons for believing that God has a plan for our life. One, it's reasonable to expect it. Two, it's according to experience. It, it just, it, it is. It's just reasonable to think that. And it just makes sense as we look at the lives of others. And then finally, this is probably the most important one probably. God's word teaches it. Well, that's a good one. Right? Turn you with to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And again, it doesn't come right out and say, I've got a plan specifically for you and blah, 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 blah. No, but watch this. I mean, God obviously has a plan for us. And he designed us with a purpose. Now, exactly how those details all pan out, eh, that could be, you know, that's a little different in every life. At least the, the plan. We'll see the will's not so far off, but boy, that plan is... Sometimes a little bit different. Look, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto 
good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I mean, we're his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And he says it's before ordained that we should walk in him. God obviously saw in in eternity, he saw in the future, before he ever created us, he saw there's something that I'm going to use you to do. And there's something that I'm going to give you to do. I've got a work for you to do, and it's a good work to do. And I've ordained it before, before you even came into existence. Before ordained it. See, God's got something planned for you. What is it? Maybe, maybe you should be up here uh, playing in that orchestra. Maybe you, uh, uh, God's given you some gifts and some talents. Maybe you ought to be up in the choir. Maybe you should be teaching Sunday school. Maybe you should be running a bus route. Maybe you should be working as a mechanic on the buses. We just got done paying a $3,500 bill on our buses. Well, I haven't paid it yet because I really am going to try to negotiate down. It just seems too high. But let me tell you something. Wouldn't it have been nice if somebody could have done that work and saved us a thousand or more dollars just in labor alone? I'm just saying, maybe you've got a talent and ability and God's saying, listen, I could really use you because you know what's not going to happen if those buses aren't rolling? Children aren't being brought into Sunday school. You know what happens then? Souls aren't being saved. You know what happens then? Homes and lives aren't being transformed. You say, well, I don't see all those bus families showing up at church. Yeah, I know, but you don't understand. We, do, we walk down the road now. We go through certain bus areas just today getting gas before the service. Uh, some girl got out of a car along with another girl. Uh, she looked like a woman, and a girl got out of a car. And I said, who are they? They're waving at us. Hi, how are you? And I'm like, who are they? Sherry goes, that's so-and-so. You know how we know them? Years ago they were here. Little, just kids. And they still remember. You say, what are they doing now? Did it even do them any good? I guarantee it did. Because if, they, if it impacted them enough to remember us, it impacted them. And I'm just going to tell you this. Them little bus kids and those parents in those homes, it makes a difference. My wife's been bus captain for almost 24 years now. Let me tell you something. She now is starting to bring in grandkids of the women that, the, you know, she's, the, the, people, the moms she picked up now have grandkids riding, and the girls that she picked up are now have kids that are riding. Let me tell you something. It's worth investing. And God has a plan for her life. God has a plan for your life. What is it? I don't know what it is, but I know he's got one. I think about Mrs. Cook. How many years has she been doing the two and threes? How many of you were in Mrs. Cook's class? Look at... (laughs) Yeah, my wife raised her hand. She was growing up in the home. But anyway, Lori cracked the whip then too. But (laughs) raise your hand. Seriously, if you were in that Mrs. Cook's class, look at some of these teenagers. Look at this. Look at it. Look at over here. Look at that. Now listen to me. They're still in church. You say, well, I'm just teaching about the two and three-year-olds. That's stupid. That's babysitting. How many of you remember Mrs. Cook's class? Yeah. Yeah, see? That wasn't stupid. They learned valuable principles. You know what they learned to do in two and three-year-old class? They learn how to sit in church. They learn how to respect the Bible. They learn how to respect the teacher. They learn how to respect God and His Word. I'm just saying... What's God's plan for your life? 
I got a feeling that if, and God forbid, something would happen to Mrs. Cook, but I got a feeling there'd be a lot of youngsters that would show up walking by a casket and going, I remember her in her class. I was in her class. I remember some of those days that we used to go out and do certain things. And I remember she'd have that little movie thing and all that stuff she does. Some of the teenagers are ticked off because they don't get to come now. (laughs) They'd fit right in. (laughs) Chase would, look at him. He's ticked. He's upset about it. A plan. A plan. And there's some of you that have been in the bus ministry for years and years. Some of you have been working with young people for years and years. You've been working with kids for years and years. Someone says, "Ah, I'm telling you, find out what God has for you. Plug in and do everything you can to be the best you can at what God's calling you to do. He's got a plan for you. You can always swerve and turn and go another direction as God leads you. You don't have to get pigeonholed into one thing necessarily, unless you're Mrs. Cook. Then we won't let her out. <laughs> she thinks she's keeping the kids in. We're actually keeping her in. <laughs> Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Psalm 73, 23, 24 says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Psalm 148, 8 says, Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Proverbs 3, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 15, 19, The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Proverbs 16, 3, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given him. I do want you to remember and never forget that God has a plan for your life. Boy, that's a wonderful thing. You want to have a successful Christian life? Then don't ever doubt or question the reality that God has a plan for you And if you will find out what that plan is, if you will begin to allow yourself to prepare and allow God to steer you and move you and place you where you belong, you will find such satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in that. And I'm going to say this, and I'll say it later on too. We don't always make the best decisions in life. But I want to assure you this. What God will hold you responsible for today is today. Will you fulfill his plan for your life today? Say, yeah, but I, I don't care about yesterday. But I will, nope, don't care about tomorrow. What God's worried about is today. Because you know what? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And God says he'll forgive your past. So you know what he's, he's, he's concerned about today? Right now. That's it. He's concerned about you today. And you know what? You need to focus on now. Hey, he's got a plan for your life right now. Find it. Just say, God, I want what you want. And I'm going to pursue it with all my heart. As you reveal it, I will follow it. Because I certainly want to please you with my life. You've given me so much, I can surely want to give that much back. May we just 
I'll let God have His will and way in our life. Father, we thank You for this time together. and We, we are very grateful for just allowing us the privilege of coming to Your house and being a part of it. And We just ask, Lord, that You would just bless us tonight. Again, we thank You that You have a plan for our life like You had a plan for others.